What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Game Time podcast. This is episode number 60. My name is Jet, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric Mend Elowitz. Eric, how are you doing today? You fucked it up. So, that's not... I guess it's all right. I mean, it's Mendelowitz. That's what I said. No, you didn't say that. I broke it up. No, you forgot the O. You, everyone forgets the O. Everyone forgets the O. I said the O. Say it again. Mendelowitz. You didn't say that. Yes, I did. Because I broke it up. You didn't. You broke, broke it up. I broke it up about the O. Mendel and Witz. No, you broke it up and then you forgot either the L or the O. No. Yeah, I'm telling you, you did, man. My name. Well, we'll play it back. We have the recording, so we'll, 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 we'll play, play it back. back. We'll play it back, and I'm telling you, it it was you forgot you forgot a, a letter in there. It's all right. It's all right. This I is about a different part. We're talking about Dallas. We're not talking about it. Hey, today, hey, so. that's this is that's my part of the intro is introducing who uh, the episode t- episode is titled after, and it's Dallas Keuchel. The man who currently has an 8.53 ERA and has a 2.03 whip, which is god-awful. But, I mean, when he was with the uh, cheating Astros, um, he was really good. I'm just fuming (laughs) talking about this right now. I just know it that you talked about his 8.6 ERA when his career ERA is in the... Is in the th- in the threes. Yeah, it's a three nine two. Big whoop. It's almost a four. Let's see how the rest of this season ends up, and it'll probably hit the fours. I bet. I mean, it's it's just no bueno right now. He does have a one point three one whip. He has over twelve hundred career strikeouts. Um, yeah, I guess he's he's all right. Yeah, let me let me continue this discussion. Obviously, he's most notable for his fantastic beard that he has put together. Absolutely, um, he needs to shave it. Glorious, probably old. As together. 2015 looks to it. Um, yeah, let's talk about 2015. That Dallas Keuchel absolutely dominated a, a team in specifically in the New York Yankees in in a wild card game in which Dallas Keuchel pitched six innings, gave up three hits, one walk, had seven strikeouts, no runs. Dominated a team that was full of Hall of Famers. Don't in, even in, in, in A-Rod, especially. So he's not making the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, he's his Hall of Fame caliber player. I'll say that. I mean, and then besides that, he also pitched against the New York Yankees in the 2017 postseason run in the ALCS game one, seven innings, four hits, ten strikeouts, no runs. I mean that that was a postseason where he pitched. To in, in that series alone, you know, he did have one other shaky start, but still, he did strikeouts in a start where he gave gave up four runs. But obviously, the Astros ended up winning that series, as we all know, and as you know, the controversy around that series is you know still still being felt to this day, even with the Astros players getting booed and during the All Star game, which you know makes sense. The Dodgers Dodgers were pretty much affected as well but let me let me uh you kind of discounting another team that like was proven to be like affected by it not even the dodgers the goddamn yankees here we could have had a ring yeah well could have you have to you have to wait another 10 years to get a ring probably whoa Um, whoa whoa maybe like 
maybe like another 10 weeks. Well, I mean, that's we'll see. You know, we know the Yankees just have their history, like in the postseason cheating teams or not. It just hasn't been um, all that great. But let me uh, get into Dallas Keuchel's personal life born uh, on january 1st. i do i do then want to go back to the all the wild card game because we like came upon like the starting lineups and <laughs> it's insane yeah absolutely but uh born january 1st 1988 age 34 he went to the university of arkansas where obviously he played for arkansas and keiko made his mlb debut in 2012 uh, some of his notable accomplishments um Looks like my monitor isn't cooperating with me at the moment, but obviously Dallas Keuchel, he was with the White Sox to start this season and then ended up getting DFA'd after a brutal start to the year, which Eric alluded to. Now he's with the Diamondbacks, who honestly might not be with them much longer from now, but I know Eric, you wanted to get back to the 2015 wild card game that I alluded to. Yeah, in which the Yankee that's when I first got introduced to Dallas Keuchel, as when he diced up my Yankees, and I was like, who is this? Who are the? I thought the Astros were a historically awful team, and both teams weren't amazing. I mean, Houston was 86 76, Yankees were 87 75. Um, I mean, if you look at the Yankees starting lineup, we we were talking a little bit right before recording. I mean, it was Brett Gardner, who Chris Young, is that who was in left, left field for us? Gosh. Carlos Beltran, Alex Rodriguez. Brian McCann, Chase Headley, Greg Bird, Ref Snyder, and Dee Dee. Dee Dee was the only guy I actually love on this list at that time. I mean, Brett Gar- I, I told you at this. Brett Gardner was old when, when it was 2015, and then he went on to play six more years of baseball, but he was old back then. Beltron was way past his prime. He was old. I'm pretty, I think he may have retired after this season. Uh, call, uh, Alex Rodriguez. He was old. Um, Brian McCann, he was old. Chase Headley, again, he played for, I think, another two se- another two seasons, and he was old in 2015. Greg Bird, I mean, he's not even – he got released by the AAA team by the Yankees. I mean, he played He played in, I think, South America uh, for a year or so. Didi, I love. I wish he was still on the team as our starting shortstop. Um, he, we may have like four extra wins under our belt, but the what I want to talk about is that is the Houston's lineup. Like, there's only like the three people that you know, like you really remember. I mean, this team was not good. There was only the top three, who was Altuve, Springer, and Correa. That was like the three like good good guys, and then it was Rasmus. I do remember Rasmus. I, do you remember Gatiss? The like hefty dude, lefty, no used no gloves. Say that again. Did do you remember uh, Gaddis? I think it's yeah, Gaddis. Yes. Oh yeah. With yeah. the bit, the hefty lefty, with no, wore no gloves. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, and then after that, it's just I like him, yeah. After that, it's just like no, no, nobody else. I do remember Gaddish, and I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's man's man right here." So, yeah, that is a little bit about Dallas Keuchel. At, um, I mean, there was really nobody with the num- a good number sixty. So, 
disappointing to see. I mean, I hate to have to use him, an Astro. I thought an Astro wouldn't get on this list, but uh, again, Jet was so demanding of it. I had Al Bubba Baker as my oh. pick, but um, I guess that's just not going to make the cut. Absolutely not. Not on this show. Not, uh, no offense to Al Bubba Baker, but I have no clue anything about him. <laughs> I actually know who Dallas Keuchel is. And, Come on. You know, I mean, who it, has a big... The fact, the fact that he dominated the Yankees, I mean, that's just an added plus because we, we, we can't talk about many guys who've dominated the Yankees throughout their career, but Dallas Keuchel came up, worked out, and I'm glad he got to give him some recognition at a time in his career and his life where things are not going so well. Eh, well, that's what you get for being on the Astros during 2017. So. Fair enough. All right, the thing to talk about is the All-Star Weekend. It is over, it has come and went, and it was a great watch. I mean, the Home Run Derby was amazing. Everyone was saying uh, nobody will beat Pete, and this man, this rookie named Julio Rodriguez came in and just slammed his massive dick on the table and was like, I can beat him. <laughs> yeah, and... I know you've probably seen the video, but Pete Alonso was like doing deadlifts before um, he, he came out to, I think it was before his first round. And he, you know, he obviously was won this two years in a row and he's taken it pretty seriously the past couple of years and he's had success, but Julio Rodriguez coming into this, which is, which is actually interesting because the first pitch of his first round, he swung and missed the, the guy that was thrown to him was like throwing, some sinking stuff towards him and he just totally whiffed on it. And um, after that, obviously that the rest is history. Julio absolutely dominated the field. Obviously he didn't win, which is so ridiculous considering he had mo the most home runs out of anyone in the field by, I believe like almost 30. And I mean, that's, I, I think that's a problem though. Cause I think, you know, whoever has the most home runs would win. Obviously it is a head to head competition, it just looks like Juan Soto was able to come out on top, obviously because he, he had a great derby, but he may have had a little bit more energy because he had to hit fewer home runs. Exactly. More energy because he had hit fewer home runs. Exactly. And then Albert Pujols coming in, slamming his dick on the table to uh, Kyle Schwarber and be like, hey, I have 685 home runs under my belt. I'm going I'm to get to the next round to face uh, the young stud in uh, Juan Soto, who we'll talk yeah. about soon. I mean, that, that's a tough spot, I think, for Al Shore to be in because, like, you you know, everyone's there. No one's there to see you. No everyone's one. there to see Al Albert Pools. And obviously, you want to win. We don't know. There, there was there's some rumors out there that ESPN didn't count a few of Kyle Schwarber's home runs. Bro, they so were that awful Pools with the win. homer count. Yeah, they were bad. They, they were pretty bad. The announcers were bad, and they were there in person. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, the, the rule is technically supposed to be you're not supposed to hit your next ball until the, the ball before it lands. No one pays. No, no one. one obeys that rule at all. Um, but, you know, it was good to see Albert Pujols at least advance one round just with the career he's had and his, you know, history in this derby. But obviously ended up did fall into Juan Soto in that next round, and Juan Soto, I mean, very very fun to watch it. The, the two guys in, in the finals, Rodriguez and Soto, I mean, two young players that are just going to be a part of the game for for quite some time. So it was it was good to see for the game. I mean, okay. 
I think the person that got shafted the most by their pitching was Ronald Acuna. Mm. Acuna's pitcher looked like he was throwing them sliders, dude, like or cutters going away from him, and it was just like, oh my gosh, yeah, dude. Because like then Acuna had to like be going like oppo taco for a little yeah. bit, and obviously that's not the strategy you want. You want to be on, you want to be hitting balls on your pull side, but. Acuna got shafted. I mean, he also had to face Pete. But honestly, dude, at watching that matchup, Pete and Acuna, I was like, dude, Pete's not on it today. No. I Even in the first round, I, he was hitting too many line drives. Right. He, wasn't, he wasn't lifting the ball, all right? You gotta, sometimes got to drop the shoulder a little bit and drive through, all right? Trust me, I know. I'm a, I'm a hitting coach for, that, yeah, for a living. somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> I don't know if anyone should be listening to that advice, but, uh, you know, it makes sense what you're saying. Just reach out to me, anybody, all right? I do hitting lessons and pitching lessons. My pitching is a little unorthodox, but the movement on your pitches are insane. MLB players want to look for my movement. Yeah, you got a lot of movement. I, as I'm, I've seen it firsthand, so I've got I've got the best look at it, more, more so than a lot of other people. But I, I, do, I do agree with that statement. Exactly. I mean... You want to talk about Juan, Mr. Juan, Mr. Juan Soto? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's honestly pretty relevant that he won considering all the, the interesting stuff going on around him. Juan, obviously, he was offered that big contract, I believe it what, was 450 for 10, 15 years. It what was, was it? It was 440 for 14. So, yeah, so that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you turn that down. I get, I get that you're with the nationals and you want to win. And that's a lot of players goals is, you know, they prioritize the winning over the money. And obviously the, the nationals are being a little bit petty because apparently they didn't give um, Soto a, a charter flight. They um, had a blue fly commercial, if I'm correct, which, which, which happened with the, with another one with it, the athletics did the same thing and not, not the same circumstances, but the athletics didn't, pay for paul blackburn's flight to, oh did you not um, hear that the uh, astros actually decided like oh you can fly with yeah, us yeah i heard that yeah w- yeah which is a rare w by the astros they're obviously Absolutely. trying to do their correct their their past wrongs yeah but um but yeah uh juan soto he turns down that money um i think there was talks about like a low aav or like it was backloaded or something like that mm. i don't know but he, he still has two two and a half years on on his just rookie deal, pretty much if you want to call it that, because baseball loves to do wonky contracts, but and arbitration shit. But I'm I don't I I obviously I don't think if he was on a winning team, if he was on any other team, I think in the NL East, I think he would have taken that deal. Like if he was on the Marlins and the Marlins offered him that, I think. Because the Marlins actually have like some upside yeah. with their pitching, right? the 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 Nationals have nothing; they don't have pitching to look forward to, and they don't really have batting to look forward to. Because I mean, their top three batters in Nelson Cruz, um, Josh Bell, and uh, now Juan Soto are all potential trade candidates in the next two weeks. So uh, it's. And I get so that just it's more about just not wanting to be on that team and not turning down that money because if if any other team, I mean, there's a very few amount of teams that 
I think could offer him a player that, and they would say no. Nationals being one of them. I think the Royals being another team like that. The Athletics, but the Athletics just aren't even going to offer uh, teams teams that money. So it's an interesting development. Do you think that he will be traded by the trade deadline? It's tough. Um, I don't think he's going to get traded. I know, you know, teams are scrambling to try and put together a good enough package, which there are a few teams out there, like potentially your Yankees, the Dodgers. Maybe we could see someone like the Padres be thrown in there as well, just because they have some some young pitching to offer, controllable arms already at the big league level. Um, I, I don't I, – I, I have a hard time believing that he's going to get traded – now, especially, I mean, this could be the type of thing that gets stretched into the offseason or even next year because he's not a free agent. I mean, he, he's reaching arbitration for the first time in 2023, and he's not a free agent um, for a few more years. So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's a rush for the Nationals to trade. So, obviously, things could happen, like, you know, injuries happen, which could eventually, you know, alter a stock a little bit. But... I really don't see Soto getting traded by this year's trade deadline. What do you think? I mean, you're telling me that the Yankees don't just do a one-for-one deal of Matt Carpenter for Juan Soto. The Nationals aren't going to take that. (laughs) I'm in a... (laughs) Uh, Why have we gotten to this point? Come on. Come on. on Matt Matt Carpenter's performing better than Barry Bonds and Babe Ruth. He is, which is crazy. It's like you t- come on. You're telling me the Nationals wouldn't take that deal? They seem like they a win now team. Telling you. Yes, I'm telling you, they would not take that deal. Some players just getting just reach their prime later later in age, and Matt Carpenter is one. He was in his prime. <laughs> This is his prime. That no. was just... He plateaued back in 2015. This is not even sustainable. The case is on right now. Can you please look up the stats right now? Can you please look up the stats and tell us what his... I know, like I, I, I know he's hitting like 340 or something like that. He has like a... He's a one dot slugging, which is insane. It's not an o, that's not an OPS. That's a, I think he has a one dot four OPS or <laughs> something. Hold on, hold on a second. Okay. It's insane. Like, have you watched him play at all? I, I've I've seen a little, and I I look, look I think I looked at his stats a couple of weeks ago, and then because I play fantasy baseball, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll pick him up. Just Did you? I mean, he's thirteen home runs, <laughs> thirty four RBIs, hitting three fifty four <laughs> with a four sixty nine on base percentage, a nine eleven slugging percentage, and a one point three eight OPS. Which, oh god! Out of how many games? He's he he has seventy nine at bats <laughs> in thirty one games. How? It's a diamond in the rough, man. That's what that's what Brian Cashman loves to find. 
First of all, I mean, he hasn't hit higher than 318 in his career, so I think we could expect maybe that to do, do fall down a little bit. His highest, on base, his highest on base percentage in his career is 392. His highest slugging percentage is 505. And his highest OPS of his career is 897. He loves the short porch, man. Wait, let me let me let me just pull up and see if I can get some underlying metrics on this guy. Cause, uh, I I want to go... I want to see like I mean, what what of this profile is potentially sustainable. My my computer isn't you know cooperating as much as I would like. But uh, take let's your see time. I, I want to go up. down this rabbit hole, man. This is this is hilarious. Cause obviously, like you, re- I, you really know how to look into stats and stuff like that. So I, 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 am interested in finding out whether or not like this is like real. <laughs> well, we know the average part isn't real. I don't think I don't think either of us need to look at stats to know that the the batting average, you know, is, is probably going to come back. Dude, he's insane. To- like every time I watch him, I'm just so like I, whenever it's in a tight spot or a big spot, I'm like just have him, just get Matt Carpenter up. Like he's gonna come through. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just it's just remarkable considering he couldn't even find a team to play for after his end to his Cardinals career. He was just not usable at all. Okay, um, dude, and he's so po- okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so his expected batting average right now is two sixty five. <laughs> However, though, there are some positives about this. So, hard hit percentage, obviously, like exit velo on you know each individual batted ball event. Right now, he has the highest mark of his career at forty eight percent of his hard forty eight percent hard hit percentage. His previous highest was forty four. So that's I mean that's a good mark right there. Um. Is expected slugging percentage? It's it's still pretty high, six oh two. Still not and that is, nine. No, but it's it would still be the highest mark of his career. Interesting. This is very interesting. So he has actually has the highest launch angle of his career this year. That's there we go, baby. It's all about dropping 6. the shoulder and shooting the ball up in the air. He <sighs> is what he is what we all hoped Joey Gallo to be. True. He is exactly what we all hoped Joey Gallo to be when he came to the Yankees. And the old, thir- what is he, 30 fucking 6, 34? He's um, 36. He's fucking playing the outfield more so than Joey Gallo. God damn, and he's doing fine at it too. He, like He's playable in the outfield. Joey Gallo wasn't even playable in left field for a little bit. Like he legitimately was not. Fucking put Matt Carpenter at shortstop, and he's gonna have the highest WAR for shortstops this year. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. This is all, I'm, I'm looking up, so trying to figure out how many, because he has 13 home runs, and how many of those home runs would be home runs in other parks. And in the Yankees park, it's it's helping a little bit, but it's not as much as I think we would think. There are five other teams where he would have thir- five other parks where he'd have 13 home runs right now, and there's. The Reds, he would have 14 home runs at, in their park. So, And then there's like a handful of parks where he would have 12 home runs. So his home run mark isn't just because of Yankee Stadium. 
these home runs that he's hitting, they would pretty much be home runs in, I would say, 90% of all other major league parks. One example, the Marlins, which is a very deep park, he would have 12 home runs there. (laughs) How many games has he played? 31, right? Yeah. 13 divided by 31. Yeah, he's he's about averaging sixty. He's on a sixty-eight, uh, a sixty-eight home runs per one sixty-two. That's what he's on pace right now. Jesus. <laughs> he's like oh he is four away from tying, like averaging the pace of Barry Bonds's home run record. He's insane. And you know why he's insane? It's because of the fucking mustache. That goddamn caterpillar on his lip is insane and gives him all his power. He reminds me of Don Mattingly. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. He reminds yeah. me. He. It's just he. I. I know we went off on a big tangent here, but oh my god, was it a great <laughs> tangent? Um. <laughs> he looks. Well, what, what were you gonna say? No, I, I'm just curious, like, what do you think? Because obviously he, didn't, he hasn't played the full season, but what do you think his, like, as far as home runs go, what do you think he ends up with home run-wise by the end of the year? <laughs> How many games do we have left? Um, we have 80. Like 70, about? Yeah, about 70. <laughs> and he got 13 in 30, 30 games. Yeah. Bro, he's ending up with at least 25. Yeah. He may join the 30... He may join the thirty the uh thirty homer uh club, and have and played in much less games. And he's hit thirty home runs before. He hit it once back in twenty eighteen. So you know it's it's very doable for him. But in that year where he had thirty six home runs, he hit two fifty seven, <laughs> not three fifty four. So he's just he's not he he is he should be starting. I mean, run him to the. F- Fucking ground, Yankees. Like, yeah, maybe this Cinderella story turns into a pup- pumpkin soon, but, like, who cares? We got him for... We literally signed him off of... For, like, I, like a vet minimum, maybe. And without... Like, we did not... Like, we were the only team to offer him a major league spot. The Red Sox reached out and said, Hey, you want to join our minor league system? Right. And he owns the fucking Red Sox because you know why? He has that fuck you in him because they didn't want to give him a major league spot. That's the only reason why he joined the Yankees is just shit on the Red Sox, I bet. <laughs> Dude, I, I know he's only played 31 games, which is not even half of what the Yankees have played so far, but do you think he deserved any recognition for the All-Star he game? He should have, bro. He should have been a replacement. He should have been a replacement option. I don't care if he only had 31 games. He's hit. He he would have won MVP for the All Star game. I promise. What about you. what about even the home run derby? He, sh- bro, if he would have been like a last add to the home run derby, oh my gosh, where would he? What like where would he have been? Like a seven seed? Probably been seven because I think no, uh, I think he has more home runs than Acuna, so he probably would have been six or because Albert was eight. Cunha was seven, then Corey Seager was six. I bl- no, um, Julio was six, who has like eighteen. So he would have been between six, six and seven, seven probably. Yeah, seven. So we would have faced Pete, and he would have shat on Pete. He would have, <laughs> bro. I would. I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Carp. Matt Carpenter is insane. 
He should get all him. He sh- he needs to be considered more for MVP, man. <laughs> He's crazy. Oh, was, yeah. He's insane. Ride this out, Yanks. Trade him for Juan Soto if you want. If you really want to part ways with an MVP caliber player. That's how we got to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I mean, do Juan Soto's stats look like that? <laughs> No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't, man. Wow. Shit, Barry Bonds didn't look like this for a stretch. <laughs> I, 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 I was listening to something. They compared. They were like, "Whose stats are like comparative to this in like a thirty-game, like period?" And they talked about um, Giancarlo Stanton's, like when he was when he won the um, MVP in twenty fifteen with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. There was like a th- a thirty game where he like hit a homer. Like almost every yeah. game, oh, yeah. thirty game stretch where he hit home or like yeah. every fucking game. I remember that. Wow, emotional <laughs> now. Wow. And they said like it's comparative to that, but uh, I think Giancarlo still like outperformed Matt Carpenter. But yeah, I mean, I love doing my Yankees talk. I mean, Matt Carpenter's not expected to do this. That's the difference. They, yeah, Stan could have been expected to do that. Yeah, Carpenter, no. it's amazing that we have. I mean, it, it's it's great. I love it. And this can lead into our uh, MLB power rankings, too. And obviously, my number one spot is going to my New York Yankees. They have the best record in the MLB. They just shit on the Boston Red Sox. Maybe just buried them out of the playoff contention. Maybe they're going to trade Xander Bogarts to the Yankees. We need a shortstop Red Sox. So uh, we're willing to give you for Xander. We'll give you Matty Cart for Xander. How does that sound? Jet, would you take that deal? No more talking about Macarena trades. I, 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 it's just, I get it. You know, you want to sell higher, but I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone's gonna play on, play on, uh, trade from, especially if you know you're playing elsewhere besides Yankee Stadium. But no more Macarena talk. I, I have the Yankees at one as well. I, I believe honestly that, you know, they're they're the best team in baseball, and I don't think it's close. I and mean, obviously, you know. There, there are teams that are going to be able to compete with them. We'll see if they'll be able to get the job done in the postseason. But yes. everything is just going this Yankees team's way. When when you have Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan who are both staying healthy, you know it's going to be a good season because that's that, that's one thing right there is they've not always been able to stay healthy. You forgot a name in that. There's a trio now. It's a trio. Who? Matt Carpenter. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's not... He, I'm just saying, it's a trio. Don't forget his name. I'm just saying about guys that haven't stayed healthy in the past, and when you have both of them staying healthy, you yeah. know that it, you know, everything's going to go your way just because it, it starts starts at the top with them, and then obviously, you know, N- Nestor's regressed a little bit. I think we all we all expected him. We didn't expect him to be as dominant <laughs> as he was in the beginning of the year, but still a crucial part of the Yankees' rotation, and they're definitely going to be a, a tough out for any team in the postseason and it, it'll be interesting do you, do you still think um you, you feel comfortable with, with garrett cole being you know game one starter of a of a world series of a world series yeah because it won't be in the fen- it won't be in fenway <laughs> <laughs> if as long as garrett cole doesn't pitch in fenway i'm fine with him being right. a game one starter or game seven starter mm-hmm. um i like the yankees there's 
we saw right. I mean, tomorrow they have a doubleheader with Houston, and Houston's really been the only team to compete with them. Uh, seriously, um, right now they have the yeah. ser- the season series lead, uh, three to two right now. Um, but that's the only contender for the Yankees right now, as I see it. Uh, and like I think it's the only, those are the only two teams in the AL that are serious World Series contenders. And I the that series showed the, that the Yankees need need to fix stuff. There's multiple stuff. We need another starting pitcher. I mean, I would love to go and just go all in, trade one of the two top uh, shortstop prospects. Um, just and just trade Volpe. All right, Oswaldo Peraza is close, really close to M, uh, MLB uh, MLB ready, and I think he may may come up soon. I'll get to that in a second. Um, I would love to get Luis Cast, uh, Castillo. Um, it, having him and Garrett Cole as the one two, uh, I arguably next to I would say uh, Degrom and Scherzer. Um, not I, I would still have Degrom and Scherzer obviously, but like the second best one two punch uh, would be Cole and um, Luis, and then just moving people down. Uh, Sevy's injured now, um, but another move that I think the Yankees need to do is. Either they can trade for an outfielder. I think they need to DFA Gallo as soon as possible because that's limiting outfielders that are doing really good in the minors. I mean, we saw I saw Tim LaCastro come up and automatically hit a homer in uh, the final Red Sox game. Uh, he's he does he he doesn't get out. I mean, he doesn't like strike out like Joey Gallo does. Um, but the big thing I think we the Yankees need to decide on is the shortstop position. I am ready to move on from IKF. IKF was a stopgap for what I would say half the season. I want them to bring up Oswaldo Peraza. He is better defensively than who, a uh, IKF who was can who is a Gold Glove, but at third base, and it's kind of seen. IKF can make the fantastic plays like the wow plays but he cannot make the routine plays and that's the issue that we have with Glaber Torres playing at at shortstop uh the prior prior two years I believe um and the same thing's happening IKF's costing us costing pitchers runs because he can't just get a simple he has a routine ground ball he short hops Anthony Rizzo and you can't expect Anthony Rizzo to always pick the ball or stuff like that so I want Oswaldo Peraza to be pulled up, be the starting shortstop. It adds youth. It adds like an interest for the second half of the season for the Yankees because right now they have a 13-game lead in their division. Uh, you want to keep the season interesting, and if you bring up a young guy like this, it keeps it keeps it very, very in- the season very interesting for the guys and for the fans, and it keeps I think keeps the pedal on the metal. The metal on the pedal. The pedal on the metal. Pedal on the metal. Um, yeah, that sounds good. So I um, I think they need to trade for a starting pitcher, and I think they need to bring up Oswaldo Peraza. If that includes trading IKF, fine by me. We have Marlon Gonzalez. Is a be- uh, Marlon Gonzalez is a better defensive shortstop than IKF. He is. Like, he just... The problem with IKF is that he makes you hold your breath. When the ball comes to him, I don't want that. And he offers nothing 
Nothing at the plate. I don't care if his average is a 270. There's nothing behind that 270 average. I mean, he, he hasn't hit a home run yet. He doesn't really get RBIs. His slugging and OPS is awful. It's below league average. So if you bring up Oswaldo Peraza and he just does that, but he's better defensively, then that's fine. Like, I don't... We have enough bats to where I don't need a stellar, like, um, at bat for at the shortstop position. So that's what I would want the Yankees to do before the trade deadline. Um, bring up, or just at some point with September call-ups, maybe bring up Oswaldo Peraza. But... Uh, I, they need a trade for a starting pitcher if they are if they really want to go for it this year. Absolutely, yeah. No, you're definitely right about that. I think you know making those moves obviously, but you, you don't want to you know be complacent and not make any moves just because you know everything's going well. There's there's always a move that that can be made, and I think if the Yankees figure out their shortstop position target another starting pitcher like you said i think they're definitely going to continue to stay atops the american league and i i believe it's a two-team race between the, the yankees and the astros they're on a collision course to meet again in the playoffs see if the yankees can get revenge on a, they they have not had success against the astros at all know, in the playoffs man. and obviously a lot of that's due to cheating and i know eric that's what it would say if i didn't say it <laughs> but cheating or not the Astros have owned the Yankees in the playoffs and if the Yankees this is the year to get revenge on the Astros because I, I don't see any other teams that are enough enough of a threat to compete with the Yankees or the Astros this year absolutely not who's coming in at number two for you it is the Houston Astros for me wow I think. Uh, okay the, over overall they like I, I I like them a little bit more than the the Los Angeles Dodgers right now and and it's tough because pitching wise, the, the Dodgers definitely, you know, best the Astros, obviously Clayton Kershaw's back. Now he, you know, he missed a, a handful of games earlier in the season. Walker Buehler's still hurt. Can we, what were you going to say? Why was everyone discount? Like before the season started, everyone was just discounting and saying that Kershaw was washed up. Like no one, no team, any team out there was able to go and get Clayton Kershaw. And it wasn't for a lot. Isn't it a one-year deal? Something, yeah, I think it is. Any team could have gotten Clayton Kershaw. The fans, every media was saying like, oh, Clayton Kershaw is like, he's way past his prime. He's like, he's he's not even plateaued now. He's fallen off and stuff. And not at all. Like, I, I, I didn't understand it myself. Like, Clayton Kershaw is a Hall of Fame pitcher that is still doing it. Absolutely, and... Like it looks like as he gets older, he gets better, and which is amazing considering the the career he has had. That I mean, that curveball is is still still in play each and every pitch. I mean, he's still obviously he's not going to light up the radar gun, but he is one of the best pitchers to play the game. The best, probably the best pitcher of our generation. Yes, I mean, he, it's just having him, especially in the playoffs, even though like from experience like to start his playoff career wasn't always the best pitcher but he's gotten better in the playoffs and just to have that experience in the postseason i mean it's going to be you know crucial come come that time of year but i do have the astros at two i i just think that you know we yeah, have the Jordan alvarez injury is, is going to hurt them until he comes back just because he has been the the focal point of that offense driving that offense but Alex Bregman has had a, a somewhat of a bounce back season. They've had some nice help from 
uh, Jeremy Pena, their, their shortstop Lance McCullers should, should be on the way soon. Framber mm-hmm. Valdez has had a fantastic season, all-star Justin Verlander. I mean, enough can't be said about him, what, what he's been able to do coming off of Tommy John surgery. So I, I think it's very close between the Astros and the Dodgers for the number two spot, but I'm, I'm giving it to the Astros. I would go the Dodgers myself and then the Astros at number three. Um, the Dodgers, I think, just have a more star-studded cast. Uh, they're, when their lineup's healthy, it's, I think, the best lineup in the game. They're, they can just make pitchers. They're a pitching factory. I don't know how, but they can. Uh, maybe second to uh, the Houston Astros, who just can find names and just make them into all-star names right there. But I have the Dodgers, the the Do- it's just the names the names on the Dodgers get recognition and it, that's it's for a reason they're good players I mean Freddie Freeman Max Muncy Trey Turner Mookie Betts Cody Bellinger Chris Taylor Justin Turner Will Smith who is arguably possibly the best catcher in the MLB when he's right and and, and then they're starting though I mean I guess the only the thing that Houston has is that they have quality starts from their starting pitch from their pitchers. And then their, their bullpen is amazing too, where I think the Dodgers have a little bit of a question with their bullpen, I believe, but I'm still, you can fig- that's the, for contending teams, uh, for the playoffs teams that are trying to get into the playoffs or are going to be in the playoffs. The number one asset that people go out, teams go out and get are relief pitchers because if you have five strong dudes in your bullpen your your starter only maybe has to go five innings if and you can still win a game very handedly if you have so i mean I, and there's uh, there every year Every year, like the Baltimore Orioles, who are a 500 team right now, the surprise team of the year right at the moment, their bullpen is, I think, top five ERA. So they definitely have assets that they could trade for that I could easily see the Dodgers or San Diego um, or like Atlanta or the Mets or or St. Louis could easily trade some young guys because obviously the Orioles aren't competing at the moment, but it's good to see that, that they're like still like a 500 team. So that's, I think the Dodgers will get better. And I think they may vault themselves in the number one team to beat uh, by, I I would bet guess by the end of the trade on trade, trade deadline, because they have shown the ability to go out and use their assets to get, into a win now mode. Absolutely, yeah. They, they, they really need. They definitely need bullpen options, and I don't know necessarily if Craig Kimbrell is going to be the guy that they can count on to get saves no. in the postseason. He's, he's struggling. He's been struggling all season. He's not the same Craig Kimbrell. Obviously, thirty-four years old. You know, obviously has the experience of pitching in the postseason, but you definitely need some more reliable options in that bullpen just to you know. Be, be able to get through the postseason because there, there's some pretty good bullpens throughout the, the national league, but the Dodgers are my number three team. Like I mentioned, and 
yeah, you talked about all the star players that they have and not, not even all their players have even took off yet. Max Muncy's having a really down season. And if they can get more out of him, um, that's going to go a long way in, in getting this team back to the World Series. Chris Taylor's hurt. Mookie Betts has been in and out of the lineup because due to injuries again. But and Justin Turner, you started off the year slow, but it looks like he's, he's getting back to form. But he's also, you know, very up there in age. But this Dodgers team is stacked. We all know that. We, we all wouldn't be surprised if they come out of the National League. As I mean, I think we most of us are expecting, but they they do slot right behind the Astros for me at number three. For number four, though, um, this team may have something to say about. Uh, the Dodgers, and I have the New York Mets at my number four slot, and this is all based off of once they get DeGrom and Scherzer. If you have DeGrom and Scherzer going game one, game two, in every series, in the divisional series, in the uh, conference series, and in the World Series, you could the Mets could easily be up 2-0 to start every series no matter what team they face just because you have DeGrom who is the best pitcher in the MLB and you have Mad Max following him up because like for me DeGrom seems seems very technical surgical he wants to beat you very minutely it's very specific to detail and then you bring in the madman Max right in after to just bully ball you into a loss like those, those are very comp uh, complementary pieces to each other because they have very different styles of pitching. I think I think Degrom is very refined with his craft, very particular about his pitches. Mad Max is just like I'm gonna beat the shit out of you in any way, shape, or form, and it, and you're not gonna know how I'm gonna do it. With Degrom, you may know, you still can't beat him. Yeah, absolutely. I I have the, the New York Mets at number four as well, and right right behind the Dodgers, they're right there. I and mean, this is a different Mets team. I don't think you know many of us expect them to falter like they do in years past, even though it's been a common theme. But I think it just feels differently with the team they have put together this season. And this has been all without Jacob Degrom, who had some caution for concern with, I believe, some soreness. But it looks like he is going to be fine. Just a um, just, just being careful before they end up bringing him back to the major league roster. Probably going to be sometime within the, the next couple of weeks, I believe. But this Mets team, I mean, some of the additions they have made in the offseason have, have started to pay off. Starling Marte was an all-star this year. Eduardo Escobar has been pretty good. Obviously, Francisco Lindor's having a nice bounce-back season. Pete Alonso, we know, we know what he's been doing also, but... but it's more about the pitchers for me, and I, I love what I've seen from Taewon Walker, who has seemed to have a resurgence in his career, 2.55 ERA, kind of making up for the, the loss of Jacob deGrom. Somewhat, obviously, Jacob deGrom's not replaceable, but Taewon Walker has been getting the job done. Carrasco's been hanging in there. Bassett's been fine. I mean, these are these guys are all just holding the fort down until Jacob deGrom can be there to you know stabilize the rotation. The one thing for the Mets, though, I'm hoping they, you know, look to making a, a move at the deadline because they could really use a catcher. They just <laughs> have not been able to solve this catching position. They tried James McCann. He's hurt now. Tomas Nito, more of a backup catcher, defensive replacement kind of guy. Interesting to see if they maybe go after someone like a Wilson Contreras, who has been you know named a bunch of times. Um, 
as far as the catching market in general, I don't know how many other guys that uh, would be much of an upgrade that are out there. There's Sean but, Murphy for the Athletics, and the Athletics yeah. are probably very willing to get drop him drop his salary. Right. Sean Murphy. Yeah, I just think. Yeah, I mean Tomas Nito, like a good guy to you know, good game caller, but offensively it's a real real hole for this Mets team right now. He's in two eleven with no home runs, fifteen RBIs, so they could really use some help from there. But I, as much as I don't want to believe it, this Mets team's for real. They're not going anywhere. I know a lot of people are thinking that the Braves could catch them, even though it's a two and a half game lead. I think this is the Mets division, and it's it's obviously the Mets division to lose, and I don't think they lose it. Um. Yeah, I I'm just gonna do a top five, because then I have some que- I, I have some questions for you about like the rest of the season and stuff. Yeah. Coming at number five for me is the Atlanta Braves. Um, I think they got very hot to end the break. Uh, I think this divisional race is anything but over because the Mets had what was a ten game lead about a month and a half ago, and the Braves gained uh, eight to seven and a half games up. And and made and closed that distance to to two and a half. Um, they they did have they had a series um, like about a week and a half ago against the Mets, and they lost two out of three. That was when they could have really took took charge and been like, "Hey, we're back." Um, and I mean, it's the Braves; it's the defending world champs. You can never count them out because of that reason. Last season, they got off to a slow start. This season, they got off to a slow start. And then they started to really heat up and take charge. So that's why I think... That, and I'm looking at other contenders. Like, I think the Braves are beating the Twins head-to-head. I think they're beating Boston. I beat uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay. Seattle right now, maybe not, because Seattle's on a 14-game winning streak, which is great to see. Um, looking in the, in the NL... I think they're gonna beat. I think they'd beat Milwaukee and St. Louis. I would take them over the Padres. So I, I think the Braves are the fifth best team in the MLB. And to go forward in the second half of the season, uh, it's only a two and a half game lead. And in, I mean, they have. I'm, I'm just telling you this right now. Uh, for the first weekend of August, they have a four a five game wait. Yeah, five games set against the uh, against the Mets, and then mid August they have a four game set, and then their second to last se- uh, series for the season is also against the Mets. So they have th- they have um, what is it? How many games they have? Seven, uh, whoa, wait, sorry, I'm getting confused here. There's so many. NY's nine, 12 more games left against the Mets. Yeah. And I mean, those games right there, that, I mean, that's going to decide the division right there. I, I think, you know, we're, regardless, obviously you know, there's other teams to be played, but one, one thing I want to just mention about the Mets and Braves, the reason why I, I do believe in the end, the Mets are going to win the division. The Mets have a, a little bit of an easier schedule than the Braves the rest of the way. The Mets have the seventh, easiest schedule while the Braves have the 14th hardest schedule the rest of the way. So yeah, and obviously they you know that means so much just because you know these these are MLB teams. Uh, obviously every game's not gonna be, you know, as as we expect. But the I'm curious to see what the Mets do coming out of the All-Star break because I mean they have a tough task ahead of them 
right away with the Padres for a three game series and then the subway series with the Yankees for two games. So, I mean, that those, both of those series right there are going to be very interesting to see how the Mets respond to start the second half of their season. Obviously those, those matchups with the Braves are going to also be crucial because there's one right in the beginning of the beginning of August, like Eric mentioned that five game series, but the Mets also have series against the Reds, Rockies, amongst and the nationals among some other pretty you know subpar teams left so we'll have to see how you know the mets and the braves shake out i have the mets winning the division now i don't have the braves at number five in my power rankings because i want to i want to focus on another team that's hot right now and they deserve it i think The, the seattle mariners number five in my power rankings 14 game winning streak i mean stringing this kind of winning streak together in the course of a season is not easy to do and I think this is the Mariners team that we all expected coming into the season, and they have finally showed up. A lot of it has to do with how Julio Rodriguez has played. It's kind of been the, the, the center of this team's success, along with guys like Ty France having a breakout year. Eugenio Suarez has been good, and when coming over from the, uh, the Reds, Jesse Winker hasn't been great. I think if he can you know turn things around a little bit, I, I think this team can only get even better. But as far as like the pitching side of things, Robbie Ray has been fine. Logan Gilbert's been really good. They they have guys that not necessarily are flashy names, but have been putting together productive seasons, especially in the bull, bullpen. I mean, that's led by Diego Castillo and, and Paul Sewald, who have been the, the back end of that bullpen. And they've been, been very good, 18 saves between the two of those guys. Obviously, I think they could make some more additions there, but – We'll see how long this winning streak, you know, continues for the Mariners. I think, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough race for that. Those AL wildcard spots is going to be very interesting. Obviously, the Mariners, I believe, are in play right now to yes. get into the wild card. And they're the two. You know, they're the, they they're the second wild card. They're not yeah, even so third. They're second. Are the Blue Jays third? Yes. Yeah. So be interesting to see how this all, all pans out, I think. You know, I predicted the Mariners to be in the playoffs just with some of their additions they made in the offseason, and I think they could, you know, maybe not win the next 70 straight, but they're going to win enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah, um, just looking, a little schedule talk for them. They come right out of the break facing Houston, the uh, Rangers. Rangers aren't like a sweepover team. They're below 500, but still a task. Houston again, and then the Yankees, and then the Angels, and then the Yankees again. And let me tell you about the end of their season. From September 16th to the end till, uh, sorry, October 5th, the last game of the season, they don't have a series where a team is above 500. Yeah. It is the Angels, then the Athletics, then the Royals, then the Rangers, then the Athletics again, and then they finish off with the Tigers. Wow. That's where you could like if you're a little bit outside the play. Uh, and the thing is, is there's like their schedule isn't even that tough. Like it's not extremely tough. Like they're the biggest Houston, the Yankees, um, Cleveland, and the Braves in San Diego are their tough tough matchups. So, but still, I mean that end of the season run right there of what was it, it was one two three four. Five, six, his, their last six series at the moment, they would not face a team above 500. Yeah, and I think it, it, 
they 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 have the ninth easiest schedule among MLB teams, so I think that's kind of why that is. But th- that that end of the year schedule, I mean, it's it definitely favors the Mariners, and they continue playing how they're playing. They they should be able to get into the playoffs. Exactly. Um. So I here's a question: What do you think is going to happen with the NL Central? I, I have a feeling the Cardinals are going to end up winning. I think we'll see what the Brewers do as far as, you know, adding some offense because that's a big issue right now. If they don't add offense, I don't even think they'll make it far in the playoffs, even if they – I mean, they're, they're probably they're probably going to make the playoffs, but it's not going to be easy for them to, to go that far. I think the Cardinals are a more complete team, especially being led by – my opinion, the, the front runner MVP with Paul Goldschmidt and then Nolan Arnott will be back eventually soon. And then the pitching has been great as well. So I think the Cardinals end up winning the division. Are the Boston Red Sox buyers or sellers by the trade deadline? I That's tough. I mean, obviously the division's pr- pretty much out. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they, I don't think they like full out, you know, buy, but I don't think they full out sell. I think it's a private thing. Maybe we see some selling, maybe we see some buying because, you know, they're playing for a wild card series. And I think when they look at the top of the American League with the Astros and Yankees, I don't necessarily believe they they think they have a chance, especially now with Chris Sale going to be missing some more time and a lot of other questions surrounding this team. So I, I think maybe the the Red Sox, which is, I don't think it's typical for them to do, but maybe they, maybe they do a little bit of both. Okay. Cause I mean, they have a lot. I'll, I think Nathan Avaldi is a free agent. Xander Bogart is a free agent. D, D, uh, JD Martinez is a free agent. They have a lot of high profile guys becoming free agents at the end of the season. So they're only three games above 500. They're 16 and a half out of the out of the division they're two games back from the wild card i mean they're only a game and a half behind uh they're only a game and a half ahead of the baltimore orioles for yeah. the last place in the division i mean now i'm looking at it too they, they have the eighth hardest schedule remaining and if they're what like three or four maybe five games behind of a wild card if they fall a little bit like by the trade deadline i mean I think maybe at that point you have to sell. Yeah. So when's the trade deadline? The fifth, August second, second. Oh, dude, it's not an easy exit out and out of the uh, for, out of the uh, All Star break. It they have three against Toronto, four against the Indians, three against Milwaukee, and then right in during the trade deadline they have three against Houston. I think maybe that Milwaukee series, if they lose that Milwaukee series, I think that's like, all right, we have to sell. Because yeah. then they're, I, they're they're losing the Houston series. Right. They're going to lose the Houston series because it's at Houston. I will say they all the, the Toronto, the Indians, and the Milwaukee game is all, all are all at home. Okay. Um, but, I mean, let me... I would lean now that I'm now that I'm looking at all this. I would lean sellers more than buyers. I mean, even if they're like where they are now, two games behind the wild card spot, I think you know still lean towards the sellers, especially now with those free agents. But well, we'll have to see where they are by the trade deadline. I mean, here the here this end of the schedule right here, right? 
from they have from uh, September twenty second. They have a four game set with the Yankees, then a four game set with the Orioles. Which I mean, the Orioles could easily beat them, right? Easily by then, Orioles may still be playing for a wild card spot then. For yeah. all we know, then they have a three game set with Toronto and a three game set with Tampa Bay. Wow. So if they if they aren't sellers. That end of the season stretch yeah. right there could easily just boop. You're out, out of the playoffs. They, I don't know if you know this. They are o ten and one in series in series against teams in their division. They have lost wow. ten series. They haven't won a series against a team in their division. The only That's series good, that yeah. they've they've tied was the Yankees in the prior weekend, and it was a two two split. Wow. That's bad. They haven't won a series against any team in their division. Not even the Orioles. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. Sellers. Sellers? You're going sellers? sellers? All, all this, all this information. Like, their last four series are all against their division. Their division. Yeah, especially with some of the teams in this division also competing for wild card spots, too. If you can't beat them, you're not going to get into a wild card spot. Sellers, you think sellers? Sellers. Whew. Be sellers to the Yankees, guys. Come on, let's break this little like divide that we have. God, they send us Xander Bogarts. Stop. <laughs> oh, God. All right, there we go. That's the episode, guys. Got some. Wait, one thing. One thing I want to mention. Okay. Before before we go. This is this is hard to like figure out how this is gonna actually pan out. But the White Sox, who have been struggling all season long, have the easiest remaining schedule, and obviously that that has a lot to do with the fact the division they're in, and most of those games are gonna be in that division. But I will not, I would not be surprised at all if the White Sox end up winning this division like we all expect from the Twins. Really, I yeah. highly doubt that. They're they're getting they're getting healthier. That that's care, the biggest man. thing. They're, they're getting good. healthier. That's been the biggest problem all season, and if. They can get Lance Lynn back to his former self, Lucas Giolito back to his former self, um, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson have been dealing with injuries all season long. I believe they're only th- within three games of the Twins for the division right now. Twins have had a fantastic season and they deserve to be in the playoffs, but don't be surprised if the White Sox win the division. Dude. I mean, Seven if- and three in their last ten. <laughs> Dude, I mean, if the White Sox are competing, then I think the Red Sox definitely have to be sellers then by then because then the twin, one of them may get the wild. Like, the AL wild card is very tough. I think there's seven. No, no, there's more. I think there's maybe, like, uh, teams competing for the wild card. I think there's... Five seven teams. within three and a half. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. And isn't the White Sox in the at the last White Sox are within yeah, they're three and a half okay. games right now. Yeah. yeah, so I mean I, yeah, I guess if you if you think that's the thing is that the White Sox they can get healthy and they can go on a run with the Red Sox. I mean, yeah, Sale got injured, but it's not like it had sell the entire season. He made really one start, and now he's on the injury list again. So I don't know. There's not really any, really anyone that the Red Sox are like we need back because they have Nathan Navaldi back now. I mean, their bullpen is what it is. They have Jared Whit- Whitlock back. So I mean, the Red Sox, man, it's <laughs> the division's out of sight. You can't even be competing for the division. And the, you are competing with seven 
other teams for a wild card spot. That's it's, tough. That's it's tough. very tough. No, no, no doubt about it. That's really tough. But yeah, guys, that was episode sixty. A lot of MLB talk. I mean, love talking about my boy Matt Carpenter. Uh, just absolutely. We should have titled his name the episode. We should have. We should have. But he's not number yeah. sixty, and we had to go with Dallas Keuchel. Which but is better, man. Eh, eh, it's all right. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. We'll see y'all next week. Peace out.